Greetings, listeners, and welcome to Brace. On today's episode, we discuss the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. On today's episode, we discuss what a habit is, the four different parts of a habit, our favorite tips and tricks from the book, and some of the methods and habits we are incorporating into our own lives. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Brace. This is Paul, one of your hosts, and today we're going to be reviewing the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. James first starts out by discussing what a habit is. Well, really, he gives some of his background and why he considers himself an expert on that topic. I would suggest you read the book. It's quite an interesting story. But when he breaks down a habit, it breaks down into four parts. The cue, the craving, the response, and the reward. The cue is what triggers you to crave that craving. That craving motivates you to act, which is your response. And that response should provide you with a reward. That reward then satisfies your initial craving and in turn associates the cue with the reward. So Tommy, that is a a very, very, very brief uh, summation of the introduction and what a habit is as defined by James Clear. What was the first thing that you wanted to talk about in this book that you thought was an interesting takeaway? So after I say it, it'll probably sound obvious, but uh, he makes a point during the uh, make it obvious section, which is kind of uh, the things he suggests to do to improve the cues in one's life. Uh, And that was... Before we are effectively, before we can effectively build new habits, we need to get a handle on our current ones. Uh, So I wanted to discuss this and kind of see what your thoughts were. And as you were reading this, did you notice any different habits uh, just on in your life that were essentially automatic? Um, Did you try and look into you know, what you were doing right and what, what you were doing wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's pretty impossible to read this book without kind of <laughs> having some time for self-reflection and looking at how your habits are currently structured. I think one of the all-time, one of the things that I've struggled with the most is my mornings. Uh, so I was really looking at the habits that take up that portion of my day. Uh, for a number of years I'd say, well, not necessarily true. I think with each job I've had uh, and station in that job, so whether it's I'm going into work or I'm working from home, that has changed my morning habits fairly significantly because it's a a different end goal for your morning. Uh, But since I've been in the current position that I'm in, a lot of my uh, habits start out in the morning with, you know, getting up, drinking some water, getting my coffee ready, hopping in the shower. That's the the very basic things I'm going to do before uh, I get going to work. So those were the things that were the, the every day. But it, it allowed, I, I'll be interested to see what you're thinking about with making it obvious specifically, because none of those stuck out to me as I need to change specifically. What I did was do what he talks about later with habit stacking by attaching some of those habits with other habits that I wanted to start inculcating. So 
the first thing actually to be much more specific is, you know, when I wake up, I turn off my alarm. Um, so the one of the most immediate changes that I made was setting my phone so that my alarm is right next to my uh, light switch for my reading lamp right next to my head. So when I, when I turn off my alarm, I flip that switch on and then the light is on and I have a, a writing pad, you know, my, my journal right next to it. And I, I do something else that I wanted to make sure we talked about later, which was uh, a two-minute habit. So I just make sure that I get my first writing done for the day. I just make sure that at least two sentences get down on the page. So that was, when you're talking about making it obvious and, and some of the habits that stuck out, that was, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of habits later today, but uh, <laughs> what were your thoughts? What, what initially stuck out to you? So I, I guess uh, my question wasn't necessarily what are the habits that, you know, you're trying to make obvious. I, I think that makes sense with the kind of habit stacking. You do this and then that's kind of the, the trigger for the next thing. Um, I was really more curious, was there anything that you were doing that wasn't obvious uh, that you just automatically were kind of going through? Um, I guess kind of the morning makes sense. Um, I know that kind of some, some of the things, for instance, that I found myself doing, right? Uh, washing hands after using the restroom, although it's you know, it kind of makes sense. It's it's just one of those automatic things. You don't really think about it. Um, every time I take clothes off, I'm folding them. And I don't know exactly where that habit was built in, but it's it's now just habit. I, I can't, like, let the clothes not be folded. Um, so those were just some things I noticed as I was kind of reading through that section. Oh, interesting. So you're just talking about, you know, taking a step back. Look, yeah, I have I have a lot of them. Then I would say that I I noticed in the time since since I started reading the book where I go. So I work from home. When I decide I'm done with my day at the end of of my work day, I always end up getting up and walking directly over to the couch. That is my modus operandi for done with the work day. That was one that I thought I could leverage to change. Uh, so I, I would say most of the, the habits that I really took notice, of course, yes, washing my hands after uh, I go to the bathroom, same thing, brushing my teeth after I get out of the shower. Those are, it feels very automatic for me and, and I notice those again, but those didn't need to change at all. So the ones that I'd say I, I noticed the most were the ones where I said, I want to leverage this this information that I'm learning and, and tweak these couple of things about my life. Um, so yeah, that that's quite interesting, though. Did you have any that you found really obvious that you thought this isn't good? I, I should I should adjust these. There's two that I, they're either neutral or negative, um, and I I feel like I just make an excuse to say, oh well, I mean, I'm not doing anything else. Uh, whenever I am eating, uh, I usually am then watching YouTube, uh, YouTube or a TV show. Uh, and I try and I essentially am saying, okay, this is like kind of my rest time. I can't really do anything else while I'm eating. And I, I think they're probably just neutral, but if instead I just ate, then I could probably get on to more things. Um, uh, but at the same time, you probably need to have a few breaks. I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> I think that definitely. So tell me, this is the second book that we're doing the review on. 
both of the books have habits in the title. Did you find that this book was more actionable? Did, did you find it easier to implement immediately or harder than, than what we learned about in The Seven Habits? So to me, Seven Habits, yes, it's habits in the title, but really they're, they're kind of like paradigms. And if you, can, if you can really move into those modus operandums, I don't even know if that's how that's said. If you can, if you can truly think proactively, if you can be proactive, if you can, you know, try and seek first to understand and then to be understood, then I guess they can become habits. They can become automatic. I think what this book kind of the difference is, these are more like what you're doing every single day. And I guess again, you could argue that the seven habits you would want to try and do every single day, but they seem like loftier goals. Uh, I think you kind of, I think you got to build up to those things. And I think some of the stuff, it's funny, you, you mentioned the two-minute rule. That's also something I wanted to talk about, but uh, we'll talk about that later on. But I think that's kind of the difference. I think this one is more about the low level, and I feel like that's almost a philosophical way to operate. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And so I, I think right now it might make sense to just run through real quick the two sides of the coin that we went back and forth on throughout the book. So I, I gave the quick introduction to cue, craving, response, and reward, the four parts of a habit. He outlines uh, a number of different ways to help or hinder your ability to maintain those um, habits he, he goes through the four basic rules. So if you want to cultivate a good habit, you want to make the cue obvious, you want to make the craving attractive, you want to make the response easy, and you want to make the reward satisfying. So when we talk about some of these things, you we went right into making it obvious. It's worth kind of outlining uh, what each of those are. And then if you want to break a, ha a bad habit, you want to make the cue invisible. You want to make the craving unattractive. You want to make the response difficult. And you want to make the reward unsatisfying. So I, I think it's it's worth just, just getting that out there. And then when you're talking about the two-minute habits, what I have really enjoyed about that is how immensely it just makes the habit easy. And another thing that they talk about in here is how really you're not choosing your habit because you want to um, cultivate just that habit. You want to get that habit going in your life because it then makes who you want to be a reality. So if, if you say you want to start going to the gym, it isn't because there's something awesome about the gym. It's because you want to be healthy. So when you do some little two-minute task that indicates in your mind that you are healthy, that's a vote for that uh, role, that personality that you're inhabiting, and then you start to believe it. So when you start to you know, go to get lunch, your mind is subconsciously saying, what does a healthy person do for lunch? So I, I wanted to see, have you, if we could just jump right into it then, <laughs> have you had uh, any luck or anything specific, since you wanted to talk about it too, two-minute habits that you've implemented that you found really uh, easy or fulfilling to institute? Not yet. 
<laughs> I uh, I'd like to. Right now, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of seeing what I currently am doing, and again, this is kind of a different different thing, but trying to leverage some of the the rewards of some is kind of like the cue for another, or I guess you know, kind of as I finish one, move that on to the next one. Yeah, you're so you're focused on kind of habit stacking. I would say so. Um, and with that, I kind of want to add, like, when I when I habit stack, make those new habits, you know, two minutes, right? And so I guess I think we should just real quick explain the two-minute rule. Um, so the idea behind the two-minute rule is dumb down the habit into something that can just be done in two minutes. Um, so, like, one example he gives uh, is, you know, a very easy two-minute thing, open your notes. Um, that can build into study for 10 minutes. That can build into study for three hours. That can build into get straight A's. And then, you know, a loftier kind of end goal, earn a PhD, right? So that that open your notes is the start, right? If you do that every single day, if you open your notes, it builds into you know, what that can become. Now it's you studying for a longer period of time. Um, another example he uses was, uh, uh, I think one of his friends had, was overweight and wanted to lose the weight and just said he would go to the gym for five minutes. And after a few weeks, hey, I'm already here. Let's, you know, maybe stay longer. Um, but he points out when you're when you're trying to make it two minutes, you really want to just stick to that two minutes until you're ready to move up until it's something that you has started to become habitualized. And although it seems, you know, very small, uh, if you think too big and you make a change, I think that creates burnout. Uh, and, and that's where you can then just lose the habit entirely. Yeah, that's, that's really well put. Yeah, I, what's funny to me is at the end of that chapter, he uses the example of uh, habit shaping, becoming an early riser is one of them. Uh, and that, like I said, mornings has always been my my issue. So the, the very first phase of that is being home by 10 p.m. every night so that you can you know start the process of winding right down, right? He's not saying go to bed by 11.30. He's saying you can still go to bed at 1 a.m. if that's what you're doing normally. Just be home by 10. Have the first step in place. And I think that's really important. When, when you think about bigger changes that you want to make, it, it sometimes, like you said, it seems uh, overwhelming or impossible to implement. But this book does a really good job of, of showing you, hey, break it down to the easiest step that you're actually going to do. One, one example that I can use out of my life is uh, for the two-minute rule, I, I have, I won't say a home gym, but I have a, a little bit of a workout area in my office that I can use. I've got dumbbells, some bands, stuff like that. And I find myself still having plenty of days where I don't use it at all. I don't work out. So what I did was I said, okay, I have this pull-up bar that's on the doorway going into my office slash workout area. So no matter what time of day, no matter what the situation is, anytime I enter that doorway... I'm just going to do two pull-ups. And the beautiful thing about that is I work in that room. So I'm anytime I want to go get water, anytime I want to go get a snack, anytime I need to go to the bathroom, anything like that, 
I'm getting up, I'm going, doing what I need to do, coming back, doing two pull-ups. So just in the time since I've started reading this book, I've gone from sometimes I do pull-ups, sometimes I don't, to any work day, I'm doing at least 30 pull-ups because I'm probably going to enter and exit the room, you know, 10 times. And, you know, like they said, do two minutes. Sometimes, right, you know, usually right after lunch, I'll actually do 10 or I'll do 15. I'll, I'll do like a, a good amount. Um, but most of the time I just do the two. And that reminds me, you know, uh, first of all, it gives me the vote for, yes, you're someone that works out every day. Absolutely. And it actually, there were a couple of times when I think I probably wouldn't have worked out last week, but because I, I felt good in my body, I, you know, I, I had a good day at work and then, and also I just kind of felt energized. I didn't feel lethargic. I did an actual full workout after work. So it, it's those little changes, I think, that can be really beneficial is, is when, you're, when you're voting for yourself to be the person that you told yourself you wanted to be, you, you, you really start to believe it. I think uh, a big thing you point out, right, like as you, as you come in, you know, prior to setting up this habit, you know, it, it either is or it isn't, right? But when you dumb it down to just two pull-ups, Right. Like why you can't say no to that. Right. Like it, it doesn't make any sense to to say, oh, well, I'm going to skip out on this one. Like it's it's that easy. Right. And maybe it's not for some people. But the point is, you know, two pull ups is really not that big of a deal. Right. Like and it's like you said, it, it kind of it casts votes. Um, and something I wrote down as well, and I, I did it under this two minute rule. Um, but the amount of time you've been, you have been performing a habit is not as important as the number of times you have performed it. So it's really more about quantity in developing the habit and not quality. Right. What do you think about that? No, I, I think that's, that's definitely true. Uh, I think when you, if, if you ever, you know, uh, watch YouTube or played a video game or something where you did it for a long time and then you take a big break and you go back, maybe there's a little bit of rust, but like you get right back into those habits pretty easily. So I, I think that's that's definitely true. And and same thing, if you're working out consistently for, you know, 62 straight days and then you miss a day, 62 days is a lot in a row, but it's not a lot overall. So it kind of is easy to fall back into, well, I'm not really someone that works out. I just had a good streak back here. So I, I think that's, that's very true. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what did you think about it? So for me, with, uh, you know, qual quantity over quality, it's kind of tough to parse out, right? Because I'm a quality engineer. Uh, so it's <laughs> it's kind of my job to improve, you know, and make things better. And it, so, but it does make sense, right? That the more times you do it, right? And if we're talking about casting votes, right? The more votes you cast towards, you know, your, your new identity or, or what you want in the future, that new, this is who I am, then the more likely it'll stick, right? I, one, I guess maybe metaphor or maybe not metaphor or example that kind of comes to me is writing down like the same sentence over and 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 over again. It, it seems kind of silly, but I know when I was a kid and I did something bad, there was only, it was only the one time, but I had to write out like a few hundred times. I don't even exactly remember what it was. So I guess I'm not really 
<laughs> not really making a good point there, but it was something about not telling uh, my babysitter when I had broken something. And I had to write that sentence over and over and over again. And I'm pretty sure whenever I broke something, or maybe I just didn't even break anything after that, but I would let my babysitter know. It. It's maybe a bad example, but that was what it made me think of. I get that. Repetition. Something about repetition there, right? Well, we also talk about getting your reps in, right? Like, that's that's a big thing. You know, just, just do the reps. Make sure you finish all the sets in yeah. workout terms. Yeah. That, that reminds me. It's a little bit of a non sequitur, but I'm going to run with it anyways, if that's okay. It reminds me of a portion of the book where he talks about how you can have the same cue give you positive and negative habits. So, so a positive habit and a negative habit can give you, you know, the, it starts the same way and which path you go on is, it's almost an attitudinal choice, but it depends on what your response is. So one of the things that stuck out to me with that, I've, you all can judge. I'm podcasting to you right now. I've always thought that I had a talent when it came to public speaking. I've been able to get up in front of people deliver and not um, clam up or be a huge failure with that quite often. Um, but I still get nervous. And I think everyone gets nervous. You get the little butterflies, you might get the dry mouth, you get the heart rate accelerated. With all of that, you have a choice. You have the ability to say, I'm nervous, or you have the ability to say, I'm excited. Because it's the same physiological response. It's just mentally, wh what box do you put that in? And I've always been excited for the outcome, whatever that outcome is. I've, I've had to, you know, uh, read Bible passages at funerals. I've had to uh, do presentations in front of, you know, huge classes. I've, I've had to do all the things, right? But at the end of the day, you, you want to go through and have the reward of it was a positive experience. I was excited. Same, same thing's true uh, when I play Ultimate. Lining up for the first points, you got the nerves going, you've warmed up, you have the opportunity to decide, am I nervous or am I excited? I have always gone with excited for that particular one, and it's real easy. It's because I love the sport. I love playing it. I love it the whole time. Plenty of people, I think, you know, especially if, if it's their first game or whatever it is, they go out there, they feel those butterflies, they say, I'm nervous. And then they, they give themselves the opportunity to have a negative outcome with that and, and to, you know clam up what do you think about that so the one uh one of the ones that kind of stuck out to me was meditation uh kind of changing the mindset um and he writes anyone who has tried meditation for more than three seconds knows how frustrating it can be when the next distraction inevitably pops into your head you can transform frustration into delight when you realize that each interruption gives you a chance to practice returning to your breath Distraction is a good thing because you need distractions to practice meditation. Um, I know that, you know, kind of as I've built my meditation habit, things will just pop up, right? And like he says, I think it can be frustrating. But if you change the way you view it into, hey, this is an opportunity for me to practice, right? You know, let's pretend that we were talking on a podcast and I didn't know what to say. And instead of it being a train wreck, it could be an opportunity for success. But that would never happen, Tommy. Come on now. <laughs> never. 
Not even one letter. So, Paul, where would we like to go next? Well, uh, we covered a lot of the the parts that were important for me to to make sure we're covering. Those decisive moments, so the moment that you're making the decision that's going to impact the rest of your day is kind of um, big for me and not not necessarily the rest of your day, but is going to inform a significant portion of your time that's going to be dedicated to something you want to end up doing. So one of the examples he uses is when he gets home from work, one thing will very much dictate how the rest of his evening goes is whether or not he changes into workout clothes. Because if he does that, he knows he and his wife are going to go for a run, they're going to work out, and they're going to come back and, and blah, blah, blah. It's the moment that he decides whether or not to change that actually decides whether he goes and does the workout. And maybe maybe the workout's kind of bad. You know, it's only a half mile. It's usually two miles. But he still is working out. But if he, in that moment, decides I'm not going to change, that workout doesn't happen at all. So the, recognizing those decisive moments in your day, I think, is really important. And I definitely notice those times when it's like, okay, am I going to do this for the next period of time, or am I not going to do that? And that decision is made right now, especially if you have a gym that you go to. If you want to end up going to the gym, at some point, you got to start your car, right? So did you have anything there that stuck out to you? And if not, what do you want to talk about? Well, I think uh, with that, I would say, uh, you know, the visual he gives for that, and I know we can't really give visuals, but it's kind of like a, a big decision matrix, right? So, you know, you make one decision and that, you know, you take the positive road or you take the negative road. And, you know, the more positive choices you make lead you to a, you know, overall better day. And the overall, you know, the more negative choices you take lead you to a negative day or a bad day, right? So if you can make the right decisions at these moments, um, then you'll most likely have a better day or at least give yourself the opportunity to make better decisions in the future. Yeah, that uh, that tree was was pretty big for me. Visually, you're right, because it starts out with such a such a big difference in the beginning. And then the differences in how much your decision matters get smaller throughout the day. So that to me um, went back to what I was what I've been trying to get right for a while is kind of a morning routine that sets me up well. And it's like, if you can have the first five decisions in your day, maybe automate them, but automate them to be the best decisions for your health, for your wealth, for your well-being, for your, all of that stuff. uh, Then no matter what your day, even if everything else goes wrong, you're going to end up about even, you know, because if, if you take the worst road, the rest of the way, you're still like, halfway up the page on the scale between good and bad day. Whereas <laughs> if you start out making the wrong decisions five times in a row, even if you do everything else right, you still end up lower than the person that made the first five decisions right. So I, I found that to be helpful and interesting and uh, motivating to make sure that every little moment the the right uh, path is taken. You said something interesting there that I want to kind of expound upon. And uh, that's the first time I've used expound in a while. Congratulations. Uh, but my point, <laughs> my, my point that I was going to make was if you can automate, right? So, you know, kind of as he talks about habits, they, 
are automatic things, right? So the more times you do them, they just become habit. They just become automatic. Now, I think there's a fear, and maybe it's just me, but I think it's a fear that many people have, that the more you automate, right, the more the more life just kind of passes by. And I know with with these, you know, daily habits and if they're positive and like you were saying, your morning routine, that shouldn't have to, you know, that doesn't need to be exciting or new or, or different. But I think there's kind of a, maybe a little fear with automating most of your day that makes it seem like you're getting rid of spontaneity. And it also kind of reminds me of the movie Click where, oh, I'll just skip through these parts. Do you think there's any fear there? Am I being irrational? That That's quite interesting that you bring that up. I don't think you're being irrational. I think the the angle that you're looking at that from is giving you the wrong perspective. So I, I think the, the truth of the matter is when you can automate the little things in your life that matter, you gain an immense amount of freedom. Let me uh, break it down uh, better. One, one of the statistics that he puts out there in the book is right now, and I think this book was published in, I don't know, 2018 or something like that. Right now, the average person is spending 600 hours a year on social media. A L- little bit over two hours a day, actually. So, so more than 600 hours a year, but that's, that's what he breaks it down to. If you decide that social media is important to you, you still want to have access to those family and friends, but... Monday through Friday, it isn't a helpful portion of your week. You can have an accountability partner. He goes through this as an example. You know, he had someone change his passwords every Sunday night so that Monday through Friday, he didn't know he couldn't log on because he didn't know the password. And then Friday after work, he would get his password sent to him. He'd be able to log on, enjoy social media for the weekend, and then it would happen all over again. And what that did for him is gain 10 hours of his life back every week. And that might seem like, oh, I only use social media when I'm going to the bathroom or, you know, on a call I don't care about or whatever else. But the reality is when you have that habit so ingrained that you're spending two hours a day on it, you don't have the freedom to just say, I'm not going to use it at all today. It's going to happen automatically. So the reality is you don't have the bandwidth to automate, to not automate a significant portion of your life. You do. Your brain does it. Your body does it. You and I both know it. Um, The question is, do you want to automate the hard things? Because if you can do that, then it gives you the freedom to, when you do have that time of leisure, uh, decide to use it the best way that you want to at that time. And it also increases the amount of leisure. Because if you're doing all the little things right to begin with, then it doesn't stack up and be something you have to take care of down the line. If, if you're making sure you're working out every day and that's automated, you don't have to worry about that, then you don't have to worry about um, dealing with obesity 20 years from now, right? It's a very good point. And uh, I'll actually shift my mindset a little bit. Um, as an engineer, I, I kind of like automating and optimizing. And although there's that fear there that, you know, life will just kind of pass by, I know you know, when I had to take a few hours to clean my apartment this past weekend, I wanted to instill some habits uh, in order to 
you know, try and not have to put in as much energy. Um, so I guess this is kind of the two minute habits that you had mentioned. No, this um, is this is better than that. If I can interject, this is ooh. the this was highlighted when I when I went through the first time, I highlighted this and underlined it twice. Uh, and that is the cost of your good habits is right now. And the cost of your bad habits is the future. And so what you're saying yes. is I'm willing to add a little bit extra sacrifice right now because that's going to free up my future. Because right now I'm reaping the future that I built for myself earlier. Right? Exactly. And uh, no, I mean, it's it's pretty much on the dot, right? So some of the things that I've, I've kind of done in the past weeks um, was prepare for tomorrow. Right. So that means making sure my lunch is packed so that all I have to do is grab it and put it in, in my backpack when I go to work, setting out workout clothes uh, so that I'm not, you know, taking multiple steps in and out of different rooms in order to find what I need to wear, because that that just kind of adds more friction. And when you want to make it easy, you want to eliminate as much friction as possible. Uh, so doing that allows me to when I have my breakfast and coffee in the morning before I go to work. I can sit in front of the computer and, you know, watch 15 minutes of a YouTube video. But if I didn't do those things, prepare, then I'd be in a rush. I'd feel anxious. And I think it also is, again, correlated with uh, making the right decisions, right? So if my morning is stress-free, then that sets me up to do better in the future or kind of better throughout the rest of the day and just to build on that a little bit if you enjoy having everything organized in the morning to make your life easy to not have any level of stress in the morning but just kind of go through the steps and then you're out the door if that youtube video that you know 15 minutes that you get before you go if you can create that as an extra incentive by making sure that you know if you have some video creator that you're a big fan of puts out the video you can only watch it in that time and if you don't have your life organized other than that then you miss out on that opportunity to enjoy that content then you're you're making that reward better so you're making it more attractive for you to do all those other little habits that allow you to have that frictionless morning um, and and that's really what I enjoy about this book a lot is that he does a, a very good job of breaking it down you know it's it's well named atomic habit habits breaking it down into the smallest possible units and then talking about how you can play with those units in order to um, implement them successfully in your life. So yeah, I, I'm glad that you have been able to implement it like that. And um, do you think what I just suggested it would be better for you? Is there, is there something you watch on YouTube all the time that you're like, all right, I should set that aside for that time. I guess I, I haven't done it <laughs> consciously. So I guess it's almost become automatic, but I pretty much only watch the kind of uh, comedy podcasts uh, while I'm having my breakfast. And in a way, that kind of relates to another thing he brings up, which is temptation bundling. And so I've tried to use this in another way as well, and I can explain that. But uh, temptation bundling is essentially relating one habit that you need to do with a habit that you want to do, right? So I, I want to sit and drink my coffee and eat my breakfast and watch that 
comedy podcast. But what I need to do is make sure I'm prepared for work. So kind of like you said, right? So without me being prepared for work, I don't get to do that. I don't get to enjoy that that moment. Uh, are there any are there any things that you have done in a temptation building sort of way? Kind of related something that you want to do with something you need to do? Um, I can, when I was preparing for this podcast, there were really three things that I implemented that were new and clearly effective. Uh, none of them would fall under temptation bundling, unfortunately. The one that I talked about was pull-ups. The other one that I talked about a little bit was just writing in the morning. And the third one that I've done, um, he used the specific example was for sales calls. And, um, one of the things he talks about in making it satisfying is if you want to do something that is kind of repetitive or um, that it's hard to find a satisfaction in, in the individual units that you're doing is giving yourself a metric to visually watch yourself get closer to your goal. So as a, as a salesperson, I just need to make certain numbers of contacts with people every day, whether it's emails, whether it's phone calls, whether it's uh, meetings. Um, and what he suggested is he said there was a very successful salesperson that, you know, put whatever it was, marbles, I forget, put a, a 120 things in one jar. And every time he made a call, he would move it over to the other. And so, so I'm in that field. I said, let's try that out. And for one, it was really hard to find the right number for me because I'm in kind of a complex area. It's a very limited, uh, scope of customers. So I'm reaching out to like these 45 specific companies and that's it. <laughs> um, but I said, all right, I'm going to just put these paper clips in these two cups. Whenever I make a call or send an email, move one into the other. And um, I'm going to try to get through all 40 of them every day. And the amazing thing is that I've done that. I've realized it's really hard for me to get through that many because I've got so much stuff going on. The conversations that are good are long. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to do that. But when I'm about to go take my lunch break and I look in there and I see that I'm just under halfway, I, I definitely can feel that intrinsic motivation to say, all right, let's just, let's just knock four more out real quick. Come on, let's, let's get over halfway. You know? <laughs> so definitely giving yourself those metrics work. But unfortunately, I know you wanted to talk about temptation bundling. I, I really didn't find a, a good application for that for me. Yeah. And, th and that's totally fair. Uh, it was just one, uh, one kind of idea that it was funny. I, I kind of made a, a deal with myself. Uh, there's this new game out, Elden Ring. Don't know if you heard anything about it. <laughs> I heard it takes place in Ohio. Uh, Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but uh, essentially, the deal with myself was I have to, I am not allowed to play the game until I complete all my critical tasks for the day. So that kind of gives me an incentive to make sure that I'm I'm doing the things that I feel are important. And then also saying that when I get those things done, there is a reward. That's, uh, that's great. Yeah. And, and, and so that's, that was just one thing I wanted to bring up with the, the temptation building. Well, um, since you brought up the, the critical tasks, one thing that I had written down that I didn't know if we were going to get to is the 75 hard. You're, most of the way through it, keep it up, good job. Uh, whoop, whoop. We both have done it in the past and completed it. And one thing that 
he explicitly wrote in there is when all your hard work is focused on a particular goal, what's left to push you forward when you achieve it? So I found that to be incredibly applicable for me with the 75 hard because when I was in the midst of it, I was consumed by ensuring that I did what I needed to do that day in order to hit my goal of having the 75 straight days and completing the 75 hard. And I did it. I was successful in that time. But when it came to carrying over those habits continually in my life, some of them stuck better than others, but overall, most of it fell away because I no longer was consumed by that goal. I had hit, I had checked the box, and now what am I doing this for? What's, what's the point of it all? So even though I knew, you know, I read the book, I, I understood the program, it's supposedly implemented basically on a permanent basis. It's really supposed to give yourself control and, and be able to um, accomplish the goals that you want to put forward for yourself by having that self-control. I didn't have any particular goals that I wanted to aim myself at at that time. So I just kind of was like, all right, good job, Paul. That's it, you know? So I, I just thought that was a really important point to say, if your goals are about the goal, it's a problem. If the goal is about proving that you are on the path to being who you're trying to become, whether that's, you know, hey, I want to be a morning person, so I'm just getting home at 10 p.m. right now because I know that eventually I'm going to follow the steps and that's going to end up with me getting up at 6.30 in the morning every day. Uh, whether it's, you know, I want to be a fit person, so I'm going, you know, I'm going to get in the car every day to go to the gym. You, know, you still got a lot of steps you need to do in order to have that, but making sure you're on the path um, to being the person rather than on the path to completing the goal is, I think, an important distinction that he lays out in the beginning. Interesting. I uh, I, I had similar a similar... Uh, finality to my original 75 hard and I think it was you know part burnout and then also part like okay well what's the point right like I, I did it now it's over uh, and one thing I'm going to try and do to alleviate that on this one is uh, when we talk about make it satisfying uh, you know making sure there's a kind of a immediate an immediate reward for you know positive actions uh, so I'm gonna start start keeping a habit tracker just to kind of see the X's get marked down and this will just be on my daily habits and the things I'm planning on putting on there are pretty much those you know the five habits in uh, in 75 hard. Uh, and then also just some other other things like journaling and meditating and just making sure that I hit those every day and seeing the X's kind of fill up the page. Uh, you know, I think that will continue to keep me gratified, right? That'll keep me satisfied, rewarded uh, for doing those actions. But I think also, like you like you were kind of putting it, it is a mindset thing, right? Like, is the is the goal to finish this program or is the goal to be a disciplined, fit, healthy individual, right? And I think that's where it, for me, it has to be, right? It, it can't just be about finishing this thing. It's got to be, this is, you know, putting me on the correct trajectory to always be improving and to be disciplined. Yeah, 
Yeah, I agree completely. And I, I'm going to do the same thing when it comes to the habit tracker. I think it's it's interesting how the different people that I've read, you know, we, we could go through the laundry list, but uh, suffice it to say, this isn't the second self-help book that I've read or a self-improvement book. Uh, it's interesting how there is a, a constant theme as well, though, of checking in with yourself. You can, you know, have the tracker, have the metrics, have the goals you've set forward. But ensuring going back and asking yourself, what is this getting me? Is this is this aiming me in the right direction for who I'm supposed to become right now? Uh, I think is really important. So when you're talking about what you're going to put on there, I think that's great for that the habits you're planning on tracking. I'm going to do something very similar. I um, actually was in the process of trying to <laughs> print out the the tracker from his website uh, before <laughs> yep. we started here. Um, but I think I actually printed that out today. Did you do it? Nice. Okay. Yep. Uh, I think that renewal, though, the going back and saying, so this is what I've been aiming at. First of all, what was I correct in my assumptions that these habits would aim me in this direction? Yes. Okay, good. Now, how do I feel about that direction that I'm going in? It, have these habits um, been changing me in a way that I feel has been fruitful and fulfilling and all of that? Or do I need to change course a little bit, change where I'm aiming, change my habits, and then and then start tracking it all over again? Um, and and I, I'm really excited for that portion of it because I know um, back in the day there was a, a, an author and, and speaker named Jim Rohn who um, kind of got me on that uh, idea of check in with yourself, understand the path you're on, and make sure that it's the right one. And... Since then, I think that was 2018, I have fallen out of habit of that, um, you know, whether it's every half a year, every year, every quarter, whatever it is, checking in and ensuring it. And I think that reading these two books uh, in a row will be helpful in, for me, actually applying that and making sure I do that. So I'm going to be, you know, doing my quarterly check-in right now, and then maybe in one of our discussions it'll come up, but I think... Uh, near the end of June, I'll be doing it again. And I, I want to make sure that the, the momentum that's being built is heading in the right direction. So I'm not wasting energy. I think that makes, uh, makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's, it's sharpen the saw or it's reflect. It's the idea is to look at where you've been and is that pointing you in the direction you want to be going? Um, I think James Clear puts it in two interesting ways, right? The uh, kind of the catchphrase on Atomic Habits is, you know, 1% better every day. And in the introduction, he talks about if you are, if you make yourself 1% better every day for a year, you will be 37 times better, right? It's just, it's math, 1.01 to the 365. Uh, and he also puts it, uh, and we kind of talked about it, with the two minute habits, uh, but walk slowly, but never backward. And so to me, that's, you know, make sure it's not a negative 1%, right? Make sure you're not getting worse. Um, and when it comes to the reflection, I think that's important as well in the sense that, you know, as things become automatic, there's a level of stagnation, right? So I think part of this reflection process is, leveling up your habits in a sense right so you and me we've we've talked about increasing the amount that we're reading and i know for 75 hard you do 10 pages of a nonfiction book every day 
and I'm thinking after the 75 hard, I might actually bump that up to 20 pages a day just to, just to kind of level it up. Right. Like I I've shown myself, I can do it and I want to be a reader. I want to be a continuous learner. Right. And so if I have that mindset and it's not just, I'm reading this because I have to, it's, I'm reading this because this is who I want to be. Then I think leveling it up and, you know, challenging oneself. Um, he, you know, I'm kind of going all over the place, but he also talks about the Goldilocks zone. And what this is, is the place where it's challenging enough that it stimulates you and not easy enough that it's boring, right? And so kind of reaching that. And I think as things become automatic, right, at least the the difficult kind of habits, right? Brushing your teeth, you can't really level up. But you can level up the amount you read, or the amount of weight you lift, uh, making sure to do those things to improve, I think that's part of what reflection needs to be as well. Yeah. Thanks for bringing up the Goldilocks zone. I can't believe we hadn't talked about that. But uh, when you're talking about just before that, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's important to recognize the two-way street that your habits create. Because, yeah, part of the introduction that he talks about also is be aware of how your habits shape your identity too. Because if you're in the habit of doing, you know, something self-destructive, whatever it is, then your mind internally says, I'm someone that does self-destructive things. So if you're a smoker and you have been smoking for 10 years, you're going to identify yourself as a smoker. And that might internally allow you to believe I can do these other things that are also self-destructive because I do this one thing that's self-destructive and that's part of my identity. But if you decide that you're someone that doesn't smoke anymore, you're a, you're a past smoker, you're someone that overcame smoking, then that habit of saying no when someone offers you a cigarette um, is voting for that identity and it's also shaping how you view yourself. So I think that's important. And yeah, when it comes to the the Goldilocks zone, that's, that's a really interesting one because... Yeah, you, you want to make sure, I think he said it's like a 50% success rate that you want to aim for, right? On having things that are not too easy, but also not too hard. You want to be right on the cutting edge. So that's why weightlifters can go back and find something interesting at the gym every time, because no matter what, you add five pounds to what they could do before, and all of a sudden that's really hard. They might not be able to do it this time. So that that's important to find that. And right, I think you know if, if you've found that now 75 straight days, you can read 10 pages and, and you want to be a learner. I think aiming for 20 pages is, is good. And then if, if you do that 20 days in a row, you might say, is this too easy? Do I need to do 25? Do I need to do 30? And, um, you know, if you find that you're not quite hitting that every once in a while, you know, recognize that you are still a learner, you're still a reader. It's just, this is a challenge. And, and it's a challenge you're up to, but it, it's going to be a challenging one, you know? Yeah, and I, I think if you if you kind of set your goals too lofty, right? So maybe it's a, it's an eight minute habit instead of a two minute, right? And you're, you're not doing it every day. Maybe you need to scale back down so it can become habitual. Yeah. I think, I think that's important too. You know, if you want to be pointing in the right direction, kind of, as we said, and as he pointed out, quantity is better than quality in that sense. Right. So if, you want to run a marathon, but, you know, you're not even running daily, right? But, you know, you run, when you do run once a week, it's, oh, wow, I'm running 10 miles. But then you're sore all week. Maybe it's 
too much, right? Maybe you're not building it so that it's continuous, so that it's a daily thing that you do. And, and maybe I that agree. needs to be yeah. scaled down. Well, Tommy, we're getting pretty darn close to that hour mark. So I have two action items that I think we need to go through before we uh, close it up. But was there any last thoughts that you had for us or, or did we do a good job covering Atomic Habits? I think we did a, a pretty decent job of covering Atomic Habits. Uh, one thing I wanted to discuss real quick with you was uh, he talks about how there's a mismatch between immediate and delayed rewards. And we've talked about in the past, as we read uh, 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson, uh, where he talks about delayed gratification kind of being what we should strive for. Uh, but how do, we, how do we manage that when immediate gratification is kind of what we are evolutionarily set up for? You know, since, the, since we started doing agriculture, that's, that's been understood, but, you know, selection... And uh, evolution don't necessarily set us up to kind of be seeking those delayed rewards. Yeah, they haven't. They haven't caught up. Our, our brains haven't caught up with the technological advances that we have. Yeah. So the technical term is time inconsistency or hyperbolic discounting. And I, I found that section to be uh, really interesting because really, when it comes with it bound down to it. All of our bad habits are because we want to have the thing that seems like it's nice right now. And all of our good habits are uh, doing something that seems hard right now because we know it's the best thing for us in the future. So I think taking the time to reflect, taking the time to take stock of what you're doing right now, how it's affecting you, uh, how you can improve that, you know, all of that is, is really important because without it, uh, it's really easy to just live in the moment and, and chase, you know, um, uh, passing pleasure and, and, you know, going from one passing pleasure to another. The reality of it, though, is, is at the end of the day, you're going to have a moment that you come to when you say, this isn't fulfilling. And it's so much better to have the opportunity to do the hard thing over and over and over again consistently and then have the moment on top of the mountain when you say, wow, this is so fulfilling. So there is really no trick on this one that I've, that I noticed. And maybe you can fill it in if, if I missed it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's an interpersonal recognition and it's, it's a continual recognition. When, when you get up in the morning, when you want to, and you do that morning workout before you go to work, and you do that the second day and the third day and the fourth day, that fifth day, you're saying, I did so well, I don't want to do this right now. But if you can have the maturity to, to know internally, this is what I need to do in order to be the person that I plan on being and to have the life that I want to live. It's, it's kind of the same thing uh, that you, I think, stuck out to you with the last book of where do, what do I want my funeral to look like? It's like, who who do you want to be right before that time? Who who do you want your family to talk about you as? And uh, if you want to be someone that nobody really cares about when they pass, follow all those instinctive pleasures that you can. But if you want to have a lasting impact, then you need to start at the beginning and build good habits because that's how the rest of your life goes. 
Yeah. I uh, I pretty much agree with you on that. Uh, I think it, even though we aren't set up for it, I think we have to understand that there is greater power in, in kind of those delayed rewards that doing the hard thing over and over uh, is better off for you. And, uh, you know, I think his point in at least saying that was maybe you can hijack, you know, that immediate reward system and, and give yourself, you know, immediate rewards after doing those things that provide delayed rewards kind of in the future, just in the sense of building that habit. In an ideal world, he says that the habit is kind of the reward, you know, doing that thing over and over is what what the reward should be uh but we aren't necessarily set up like that uh and i we talked about it a little bit before but i think the habit tracker right like seeing the x's kind of fill the page or you know checking that box of getting that thing done that can provide some incentive but there's probably other creative ways that you can incentivize yourself to do the hard things yeah yeah i i agree definitely the and the one thing that that reminded me of that we didn't really touch on too much was making sure that you're in the right arena. So he talks about how you know the difference between the Olympic gold medaler Michael Phelps, who was great at what he did, and the I don't know if it was I think it was a track star or something like that that was great at what he did, and their body types are very different. They have different uh, aerobic outputs. They have different muscle groups that are. Um, special the whole point of that section is to say understand your nature and work with it so if you want to have a goal of being a circuit speaker that goes around and and gives talks um, but you have you know you're a significant introvert and you have you know uh, a fear of other people and all these things you're not working with your nature so being able to discern and say, okay, this is the the part of my life that I'm good at already. Can I build upon it to be even greater? And then can I specify, uh, can I, can I aim more specifically at what I'm actually going to be the best at and focus on that group of skills so that I can be at the very top of what I'm doing with my habits. Uh, that was a, a really interesting section as well that I think is, is important. Um, did, did you have any reflections on that about like, oh, these are the gifts that I have and I should, I should try to be cultivating these more so that I can become the top of this field? Hmm. I don't necessarily think I saw any specific gifts that I had. Uh, I know that he talks about explore versus exploit. And what that means is as you're trying to find those things that you're good at, uh, you should be spending a lot of your time exploring. But as soon as you find something you're good at, you know, exploit, 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 get better and better and better at that. And I don't know, there are things here and there that I think I'm okay at, but I don't know. You all can give me feedback and Tommy, you can too. One of the reasons I thought it would be good for me to start a podcast is because I think I have, I've been told by a couple of people that I have a radio voice. I've got some, <laughs> you know, uh, I've, I've had a couple of people on sales calls where I call them and I introduce myself and they hang up on me and I call them back and 
kind of like, why, why'd you just hang up on me? And I've had people tell me they thought I was a recording before. So things like that, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to cultivate this gift a little bit. And so all you audience members, thank you for indulging me. I appreciate you you taking some time to, to learn about this book today and, and to give us a listen and, and see what we have to say about it. And Tommy, I think that brings us to two things. I'll let you, if you would like to, uh, start off this time on rating this book out of 10. Oh, what are geez, you going to give If I it? go first, that means you'll just, you'll top me. Gosh darn it. Okay, so... I went first last time. <laughs> it's only fair. So I gave Seven Habits an 8.23, and then I think I rambled on some other numbers or digits. Uh, I think... All I wrote down was 8.23. <laughs> I... I don't know. It's it's in a sense it's difficult to judge these two against each other. Although they have similar ideas, I think that Seven Habits is is bigger in scale. Um and I think when it's bigger in scale, like we mentioned earlier, it's probably harder to implement. Uh so in that sense, you know, with that 8.23 rating, I think this is probably like a like an 8.5. I think this is uh this is more actionable and there's a lot of uh, a lot of things on his site uh after you buy the book that you can you can use and uh I, I think it's it's just easier to implement some of these things. And I think his explanation of what a habit is, uh those four parts, cue, craving, response, and reward, I think it just makes a, a ton of sense that, you know, you should kind of follow along that and uh and his laws the uh the cheat sheet is is pretty good because it it pretty much highlights every every chapter and every uh every different trick that he uh he uses or that he suggests that one could use so i'm gonna go with eight eight point five eight point five a full point two seven <laughs> better i'll tell you what i'm impressed I am going to go over a half a point better. I'm going to go in 8.8. I knew it. You on just, this, on you this just arbitrary scale. You just okay, you literally one up me by <laughs> 0.03 last time, so I don't want to hear it. I did a full <laughs> point two. okay? Fair That's enough, fair respectable. Enough. That's fair. Respect- 4.3. Sorry, I can't do math right now. <laughs> what is 0.8 minus 0.5? Eh, we'll figure uh, hey, it's all good. That's wonderful. And Tommy, do you want to go ahead and introduce the next book that we're going to be reading? Yes. So in a month, we will be discussing Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to kind of seeing his thoughts on Christianity. Uh, I, I read a little bit of the introduction and uh, the first chapter, and it seems like he wants to make a case for uh believing in Christ and uh you know not really knowing where I fit into that I'm curious to just learn more and uh you know regardless of if I you know choose a certain religion or not I uh I still think it's it's good to be aware and kind of that continuous learning aspect of it uh it's good to understand right because it is something in this world uh, that we probably should be aware of. Yeah, I'm really I'm excited for the dialogue because I, I I feel pretty good about where <laughs> I stand on on this uh, you know particular topic as well, and and I think the 
more interesting part will be kind of the back and forth between us there of, of how you took it versus how I took some of the some of the different parts that we're going to talk about. Um, and I've I've read only that I can remember the the line I did read the line the witch in the wardrobe the I think the second of the Narnia series technically um, that's a C.S. Lewis book but that is it and I know he's one of the more prolific Christian authors of the last century and one of the um, yeah uh, not just prolific but most read so I'm very excited if if this was what he would boil down Christianity to mean. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting for us to go through it. So very excited for that. And with that, Tommy, it's been great talking to you. Same here. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.